Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. Hello, and welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and with me today is one of my favorite women, Lindsay Ertz. Hi, Carly. I'm your favorite. You're one of my favorites. I I feel so honored. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have done exactly what I want people that are listening to this podcast to do when they find themselves in a place where they're like, ugh, how did I get here? This is not how I pictured my life. You've gone through some tough stuff, but you've climbed out of it and you've really empowered other women to make change and and to really climb out of the darkness. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love the concept of your podcast because I think we're all sort of there in a way. Like we have all these expectations for the way life should be. Right. And then it doesn't typically match those expectations and we're like what the heck is going on exactly so So we're going to talk about motherhood today and postpartum depression and how sometimes motherhood looks very different than how we saw it in our minds so with you you battled some postpartum depression with your daughter lucy yeah and she's four right now but i should say that uh, you know, the term postpartum depression isn't really encompassing of what I experienced. Okay. And I think that's a big um, misnomer for a lot of women. And, and a lot of women suffer because we just hear often about the term postpartum depression. Right. Right. But so many of us are anxious or so many of us ha- are having other symptoms like OCD symptoms or right. PTSD symptoms even. Such a good point. Yeah. And so uh, I think even you know, changing the language of a postpartum mood disorder as opposed mm-hmm. to just depression uh, really encompasses those women who are not just experiencing a depression per se. Right. Because someone might hear that term and then say, well, I'm not suffering from depression, so I don't fit that mold. Yeah. And not go get help. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. I'm not depressed. And that's how I felt. I wasn't depressed per se, although depression was part of what I was experiencing. It's like you're so anxious that you then feel depressed because mm-hmm. you're anxious. Right. <laughs> right. That makes sense. You know that feeling. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was like I, I'm having anxiety symptoms. I'm having intrusive thoughts and scary thoughts of harm coming to my baby, sometimes in my own hand, which is really terrifying. And and I didn't really know what to do. So. Starting at the beginning, like when you thought about having kids and you became pregnant, um, what did you think about motherhood? Like, was this something you always wanted or how did you feel about it? Yeah, I kind of feel like having a kid was something I was supposed to do, Mm -hmm. right? You kind of grow up with this message, especially as a woman and especially in the culture I grew up in where it was like, motherhood is your greatest, highest calling and it's what you're meant to be. And you're kind of like... Like not to say that there aren't women who feel that way. And I think that's very noble and great. But um, for me, I was kind of like, I want to have children. I, 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 I just had a child. I still want to have children. I just didn't feel like it was like my sole purpose in life. But I didn't know that until after I had children. So mm-hmm. that the, you kind of felt like those feelings would just come after the birth of your daughter. Yeah. You're just like you have a baby and you love the baby and you take care of the baby. And it's like motherhood is wonderful and lovely and roses. Right. That's what you see. That's what you you see on the pages of social media. That's what sure. even your own mom probably experienced. You know, I, I look at my mom and she had four kids in eight years and like she 
that was what she wanted to do. And I think that that is great for her. Yeah, it's great. not for me. And I think that's so important for women to understand, like, you're not a horrible person if that doesn't come supernaturally to you. Yes. It's okay. Like, having five, six, seven kids is not for everyone. And if you're one of those women, I'm one of those women. Like, I have two children and I love them dearly. But, yeah, motherhood doesn't just come supernaturally to me it's something I have to work at and that's okay especially the newborn stage I'm in the newborn stage right now I just had a three I have a three-month-old son Uh and so you're especially in that stage where it is constant and he needs you for everything and they (laughs) often don't give you a lot back no yeah there's no I mean we're just now getting to smiling and cooing so you're (laughs) like oh you're a human but that is a good point Carly that like I didn't feel attached to my babies right away and Mm -hmm. I I remember feeling that with Lucy and she's four and a half now and honestly that was one of the feelings that it was like do I not even love her like that's what that's what I made it mean like that I didn't even have love for her because I wasn't feeling that bond that you just like you see so many women like isn't motherhood perfect and we're so in love this is the baby announcement you get right you see it on social media Uh and I just had a baby we're so in love and I'm like is this what they say is love because it doesn't doesn't feel feel right yeah Yeah. I think also I mean it can be different from child to child like I did kind of have those feelings with my son but with my daughter something was like she was super colicky and something was just off where I was like I'm not bonding with this child and I feel like the worst mother on the planet. Yes. But I don't, I don't know. We're not like having this natural, beautiful connection. Yes. You know? Yes. I totally get that. Um, and I think that the difference in my second, uh, postpartum experience to my first is that I know what to do with those feelings. Exactly. Right. I know that that feeling of not being attached to my baby will come mm-hmm. and I don't panic about it. And that's not to say that the first time around, just knowing that could have prevented me from suffering because who knows hormonally or whatever else was going on. But just being so much more aware this time around and having the information and knowing that um, when I have a thought like that or a scary thought, an intrusive thought, I don't have to panic. I can just let it be and it doesn't make me a bad mother. And now that's not to say that I I don't sometimes feel like I'm going back there. You know, it's like I have these intrusive thoughts and I'm like, okay, that was a scary thought. It doesn't mean anything. You know, I do this kind of like thought exercise. Yeah, it was a thought, but it wasn't an action that you took. Right. You right. dealt with it and yeah. you can move on. And it doesn't that. mean anything about me, but it's still hard. It's still hard because you have those thoughts and you're like, what mother has these thoughts about her child? Like, yeah. this is terrible. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I know. Uh, I will say too, like with the bonding, as your child grows and develops, that bonding kind of ebbs and flows to where, you know, w- when my daughter was born and I had a two-year-old, I'm like, oh, I totally get my two-year-old. Like, he's my buddy. Yeah. I don't connect to this newborn. Right now, my kids are 10 and 12, and my 12-year-old son, I'm like, I cannot reach him. I am not connecting with this child. Right. I don't know how to bond with him. And my daughter is like my BFF. Right. Like, we totally are jiving at this stage in life. Right. And so I think that it can, 
totally kind of come and go. Yeah. And I didn't have any of that perspective. I still don't because you I'm don't. such a young mom. When you're mom, a new mom, you right? don't know. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like when my kids are 10 and 14, exactly. you know? Yeah. The bond very much could be there. Um, and, and that's not to say the bond didn't come with Lucy. It has, right? But I think in the same way that it takes time for us to bond with our children, it takes attachment time to form with a baby, right? Attachment, like as you meet your child's needs, attachment forms. And that doesn't happen in one interaction. No. That happens over time throughout the course of their newborn and, and even their life. You continue to form attachments. So I just think it takes time and and it's okay to not feel that way right away. And you've got to separate um like what you're seeing and what you're perceiving you're seeing out there from social media and from all the other mothers you know. It's not reality it's, or no. it's not necessarily reality. Right. It might be reality for some, right? but if it's not that for you, that's okay. Yes. For you, at what point with Lucy did you say like, okay, something is really off with me. It is not the quote norm and I need some help or some yeah. guidance. Yeah. So looking back, I can see... Um, warning signs of my postpartum anxiety and OCD. I was having some intrusive thoughts. I just kind of chalked them up to like, oh, that was weird. You know, that was, mm-hmm. like I was going back to work full time after maternity leave. So I was kind of feeling anxious about that. Um, but my symptoms, really the crux of them didn't start till about three months postpartum. Which I don't know if that's typical. That seems a little it Funky seems to me, late. I don't know. Yeah, it seems late. But the one thing I have learned is that postpartum symptoms can manifest anytime in the first year postpartum. Okay. So, so many women don't get help also because it's like, oh, I'm three months or I'm past, you know, I I'm should past be, the baby blues. Yeah, phase. I should be fine by now. But untreated postpartum depression can get worse in that postpartum period. And so even if you're up to a year, even if you're after a year and you just don't feel like things are right, go get help because, you know, it. It, there's no rule. There's no like, oh, you're past three months. You shouldn't be suffering. Like if you're not feeling like yourself, then go get help. Right. And I think we really need to get rid of the shame in getting help. Like yes. it doesn't mean you're a crazy person or that something's awfully wrong with you or you're a bad mom. I think there's been for a very long time this huge stigma about therapists and medication and all of it. Yeah. Like I just can't go there because it says something about me. Right. But having a therapist for me in my life has been like the greatest thing ever. Like I'm at a point where I I see a therapist once a month and she's just kind of like my life coach. Yes. And I've been at points where I was going twice a week. Right. And all of it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, there are so many um, stigmas out there that really prevent women from getting help especially with postpartum mood disorders because so yeah sad. it's like first of all how do you find time to go see a therapist when you have newborn and a young children at home true like that's tough childcare is is hard to find and, and expensive and, and therapy is expensive and there is expensive yeah so it's all just kind of like these barriers to getting help um but therapy and medication for me were the turning point in in me starting to recover um i didn't really have a stigma about therapy um, but I knew I wasn't really good at feeling my emotions. And that was one thing I really had to learn. So you kind of felt like, like a, almost a numbness? A little bit. Yeah. But, but a lot of it was, um, yeah, it was like, I know how I'm supposed to feel, but, but I'm, I'm not, not feeling, feeling that. Yeah. yeah. How bad did it get? Um, it's hard to know how bad it got because from my perspective, it was bad. 
but from someone else's perspective, it, you can't see that, right? When you're mm-hmm. having an illness that nobody can see, it's hard for someone else to know how bad you felt, right? right. But for me, those scary intrusive thoughts lasted about a month and a half. And I was avoiding being with my baby because I was scared of the thoughts I was having when I was with her. Like you were thinking of maybe harming her or harming yourself? No, I was never going to harm her. But yes, I was having intrusive thoughts of what it like. The thoughts would be something, usually they'd start with a what if. And I would just be like kind of sitting there. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, what if I just put her in the fire? And I'd kind of like almost picture it. And it's like instant anxiety. Like, oh my gosh, I could never Why did I just think that? I remember being um, on a boat with my family and I was Mm -hmm. just like, what if I just throw her overboard? And you're like, what? You're like, stop. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's painful even now to say these thoughts out loud because you feel like a terrible person for having them. And you feel like that must mean that you don't love your child and it must mean that you want to hurt your child in some way. And you don't. And that is not what it means. And I had to learn that through therapy. And, um, you know, in fact, the the fact that you're having so much anxiety about those thoughts is a good sign. It means that you're attached to reality. Sure. You know that you, you know the difference between right and wrong. You don't take action on the thoughts, but just having them causes that panic and that angst. And so that must mean, that does mean that you, you know they're not a true thought, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense if I'm explaining no, that in the right that way. Does, no, I think that's... That's really important for so, women to differentiate between like a thought and then someone that like maybe has a thought and they actually go through with it. Right. That's completely two different states of mind. Yeah. And- Just having the thoughts does not mean you're going to act on it. And I read this book during my postpartum period that actually kind of became my Bible in a way. Mm-hmm. I would pick it up whenever I would feel anxious and just turn to a page and read something to help me feel better. Um, And it was called Dropping the Baby and Other Scary Thoughts. And it's by author Karen Kleiman. I highly recommend it for anyone who's in this period. Um, And in the book, she she kind of unwinds this cycle of unwanted thoughts in in the postpartum period. And she talks about how it is not the content of your thought that is the problem. It's how much distress it causes. Hmm. So the fact that these thoughts were about hurting my child doesn't even matter. It's just about how much anxiety that thought was causing me. So Mm -hmm. I really had to separate the content from the thought from the fact that I was, you know, making this mean something that I was capable of this, which I never was. Yeah. Did you, when all of this was going on, did you talk to your husband or anyone about it or did you just sit with this yourself? Yeah, I I tried to talk to people about it. But again, being a first time mom, I didn't really know what I was experiencing. So I just thought I was a horrible person <laughs> and a horrible mother. And I was like, I just think on the outside, I kind of became a shell of myself. Yeah. But in trying to talk to people, I would sort of dip my pinky toe in the water of like, is this okay to like think these things? You know. I remember actually running into you. We were working together at the time and uh, ran into you in the bathroom. Oh, yes. And I, asked, I remember this. I asked like, how are things going? And you said, nah, you know, yeah. okay, but I... I've kind of had, you know, some tough moments and I've had some scary thoughts. And you asked me if I'd had some scary thoughts. And I said, well, yes, in the sense that I feel I felt like with my daughter, we weren't bonding or she was so colicky that my husband and I would talk 
And he'd say like, oh, you can almost understand how someone would become so stressed out when they have a child that cries and cries for hours that they'd snap and and possibly harm the baby. Like and before experiencing that, we never understood how something like that could possibly even cross your mind. You just look at those people and think, what a terrible person. Exactly. And then you said to me, no, not quite like that. More like, have you ever thought about throwing your baby in the fire or leaving her in the snow? And I was like. Well, no, I didn't have that. So there's just such a huge spectrum of how this can affect women. And to be honest, that's not really a bathroom conversation that many (laughs) women are having, right? (laughs) But maybe it should be. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it should be. I don't know why. I think I was probably trying to get validation from you that that I was okay. Because you don't know as a first time mom. You're like, maybe every mom feels like this and they just don't talk about it. I don't know. And that's the thing is like these thoughts for women are so... um, internal and they're so personal that like you're not gonna like hey how you doing how's how's life since you had a baby you're not gonna be like hey i'm having thoughts of wanting to hurt my baby no no you're supposed to say like it's great i love it like life couldn't be better so well yeah on the outside you say you're fine but inside you're like no i'm not fine i'm actually like having these really scary thoughts and i don't know what to do with them and i feel like what if i just do them and am i so tired i'm gonna snap like this is your thought process as you say i'm fine exactly yeah and it happens all the time yeah um so you've been very open about your story. You've organized a climb. I don't know. Are you still doing the climb out of darkness climb? I'm not the one organizing it anymore, but it still happens every year. Yeah, it's called climb out of the darkness. And uh, I organized it here in um, Salt Lake City. But it takes place all around the country, right? There's different organizations. That yeah. Um, the organization that I was working with is uh, no longer an organization, but um Postpartum Support International has chapters all over the country. And so they organize um, the Climb Out of the Darkness hike every year. So I'm just not the organizer of it anymore. But yes. But why has it been important for you to be so open and share your story? Uh, I just want to normalize the experience of the postpartum period and also motherhood and this illness. I want to normalize it because so many women are suffering in silence and so many women are feeling like failures in Mm -hmm. motherhood and are feeling like inadequate and isolated and like they are broken. That's really how I felt after having a baby. I saw all these other women around me and I just perceived that they were loving this journey and this was like, isn't it so worth it? Isn't having kids wonderful? And you're like, yep, is this what they say is worth it? Because this is not how it feels to me. And I want to normalize that for other women. I want women to have bathroom conversations where they're like, you know, I'm having a really hard time. And like, I don't know what to do about it. And I want other women to validate that for them. So it's really important to me to be open about it just because we need to normalize all of these conversations. It's so important. And I think it's more important these days than ever because of what is thrown out on social media like Mm -hmm. how often do we see the perfect family and the perfect mom or what is so seemingly perfect yeah and they've you know just seem so happy in their joy through you know their experience through motherhood or you know it continues as your kids get older and your family changes but you see like like for me, uh, I've been through divorce and I'll see families on social media and they're like constantly on vacation right. and they have just this 
perfect, happy family. And I'm like, my family doesn't look anything like that. Right. But Carly, but that's it's okay. The, the, yeah. That's the important point is when you see those, because those pictures on social media aren't going to change anytime soon. No. When you see those pictures, what do you make that mean about yourself? That's what you have to ask yourself. And I just say that generally, not like mm-hmm. you have to answer that question, but like, when you're scrolling those pictures, what do you then say to yourself internally that makes you feel so terrible? A lot of me, for me, I still do this where I'm scrolling and I'm like, everyone else is doing things and I'm just not doing anything. That's how it can often feel. Yeah. Or everything's doing, everybody's doing it the right way. Right. And I'm failing. Right. So really tapping into and being aware of those thoughts is how you're going to get leverage over this social media piece, right? Because it's not going to change. People are still going to post their Sunday best mm-hmm. on social media. But what do you make that mean about yourself when you're scrolling social media and you see all this self, all this stuff and you have to catch it? Like it, like you do it subconsciously. Yeah. You have to catch yourself thinking these thoughts and that's why you're feeling so terrible. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that at the time, right? I was, I just, again, saw all the happy mothers and perceived everyone was happy. And I would even do this like as women, I'd see women pushing their strollers down the street and I'd make up stories about them in my own Like head, how right? their life must be. Look, look, she's just pushing her stroller and she's not having a hard time. You have no I, idea. I can't even get out to the grocery store without <laughs> like my kids screaming like a drowned rat. Like, mm-hmm. But I have no idea what she'd been through that day. I have no idea if she's enjoying motherhood. I just told myself she was and that left me feeling terribly. So again, just catching yourself in kind of all of those foul that you're thinking can really help you get some leverage yeah and I think uh, assumption is such a dangerous thing yeah. where you think like like you said you created this whole world just from seeing a mom like happily push her baby in a stroller for that moment right you know what I look like when I'm walking down the street pushing a stroller happily pushing a, a stroller but I'm not always <laughs> right yeah so like you just never know what you someone's don't. experiencing so your son is three months old now yeah uh-huh. and how's it going with baby number two Oh gosh, I don't know if I can answer <laughs> that today. I'm so. How's tired, it going Carly. today? How's it going today? Um, he is not sleeping very well, and I am overwhelmed with him. I'm not gonna lie, but um, again, I just have the perspective on set on baby number two that I didn't have the first time around. I know that this period ends. I know what to do with some of these intrusive thoughts. I've had intrusive thoughts about my second son. I have, and Mm -hmm. they're scary. And I find myself wanting to avoid the situation where the scary thought often gets me, but I can't. And so you just got to process through that. Yeah. I've got to, I've, I've just got to be very self-aware in those moments. Like for me, it happens a lot in the middle of the night when he's crying and I'm trying to get him back to sleep. Such and he a won't stressful crying, time. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm bouncing him and I'm like, I could just drop you on the floor right now. <laughs> like I, right. You just think these things. And mm-hmm. again, you do not want to do them. But like these intrusive thoughts are so common for women. I think I read a statistic that 90 percent of women have these. How crazy is that? I know. No one talks about it. We don't talk about them at all. And I just want to normalize that. Like, what if that could just be, again, this isn't a conversation you're probably going to bring up with someone when you just meet them in the bathroom. But like, why can't that just be part of our conversation about motherhood and about Mm -hmm. like, when you ask me, how's it going? Like, why can't I have some sort of honesty? Yeah. Why can't we just be on that level that like, okay, let's level the playing field. We all love our children. We all are glad they're here. We all want them. Now what's really going on? Mm -hmm. Now tell me, how's it really? When you talk about 
being able to process through these thoughts? What are some things that you do to kind of calm yourself down or get through those moments? Oh, gosh. Um, So the first step is identifying what the thoughts are. Mm -hmm. I think the second step is probably giving them a name. So when I have them in the middle of the night, I literally say to myself, that was a scary thought. And that's all it was. Uh, Yeah. And, And that was a scary thought. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean I want to do it. I didn't do it. I'm like, I'm with it. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, um, talk myself through those moments. Um, but it's hard and you get so tired. You're just like, I don't want to do that anymore. I just don't want to have the thoughts in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be so nice if I could just not think that way. Right. But our brains don't really work like that. Like we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day and some of them, cause more pain than others right and so you just have to be uh you you have to kind of stop and identify what some of those that thinking is right yeah I know one of the most powerful things for me when uh, my daughter was super colicky someone I don't know if I read this or someone told me it was okay to do this but I would often have to put her in her crib and I would literally walk outside yep and walk around our little neighborhood for five to ten minutes yep and just clear my head. And I remember I, as a new mom, I felt guilty even doing that. I was like, well, I can't leave my baby alone in the house. Right, right. But she was safe in her crib. Right. And I just, it was such a powerful thing to just like, okay, regain reset. my composure, yes. reset. Yes. And then go back in there yes. and tackle it. And sometimes I'd have to do that several times <laughs> during the day. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. And isn't it so interesting that I think this is why I'm going to do a podcast on this soon. I think this is why so many moms feel so isolated nowadays is because there's so much like shame around what we have to do as mothers to like survive. Mm -hmm. Like no one talks about that aspect of motherhood that we're just left feeling like we're broken and we're just like muddling around over here doing anything we can. And we would never tell anyone like that we leave our baby in a crib to go outside and get our composure because that, that would make sounds us like sing. a bad mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're all sitting in our homes just feeling isolated and terrible about ourselves. So, um, yeah, I just want to normalize that whole experience. Yeah. What are some of the resources that you've found going through this journey? Like where are some places that, women can reach out to if they're suffering? Yeah, I would say go to Postpartum Support International. Google their website. I think it's .net. I think it's psi.net. That would be the first place I would send people because they have, uh, for each state, compiled a list of resources. And so within each state, um, there are uh, therapy centers and... um, Uh, therapeutic offices and and OB's offices and places Mm -hmm. you can call to get help. I think one of the first steps too is to call your OB, right? Your OB or your midwife or whoever's in charge of your postpartum care is your healthcare provider for that time period, right? And so they need to be clued in to what you're experiencing. And um, I've talked a lot about this on my own podcast, but there's a a big lack of uh, resources for moms that are suffering from um, postpartum illnesses that sometimes you go to your OB and they don't know what to do, right? And there's not a lot of coordination between the OB and a therapist who can really help you, a trained mental health professional, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of that is being worked on in different states across the country, but um, if, if your OB doesn't have a protocol for what to do ask for one (laughs) yeah and I think that's the thing is just opening up that dialogue even if it's like well 
your doctor says I don't have all of the answers. I need to refer you over here. That's okay. Yeah. But just, you know, opening up that dialogue. I know for me, uh, with my daughter, I suffered some depression when I was pregnant with her. Yeah. I just was like, I am not myself. Yeah. Like, I don't know what is going on, but I... I'm like depressed all the time. And yeah. so I went to my doctor and I talked about it. And that was a little bit scary for me because I felt like a crazy person. Right. But we talked about it and we got me on some medication and everything was a lot better. And if I wouldn't have done that, I don't know where I would have gone yeah. in that place. You yeah. Know? And did your doctor just like say, oh, I know what to do with this? Or did he just prescribe a pill? And He like just prescribed a pill. And um, quite honestly... There were some negative effects to that pill. There were some side effects. Like I didn't sleep super well. I was yeah. kind of like a little bit hyperactive yeah. with it, um, but I wasn't feeling depressed. So I think with medication, if you decide to go down that road, you have to test things out sometimes mm. with different medications or dosage to find the right thing for yeah. you because sometimes there are side effects that it's like, okay, well, do I want to be depressed or do I want to... Um, not sleep at night. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Exactly. I don't know. And it's such a guessing game. It's like a roulette of medication. And yeah. it's really a barrier to women getting help because it takes time for these medications to kick in, it right? Does. And in the meantime, they're suffering and having a hard time. And um, yeah, so I think getting in to see a trained mental health professional is equally as important as seeing your OB and whether your OB refers you to that person or not mm -hmm. or you find it on your own. That might take a little bit of work. But um your therapist really can unwind some of those thoughts that you're having. But your so OB, true. I mean, your OB is a surgeon. You don't want your OB handling your mental health. They're no. not trained in that, and nor no. should they be, right? Yeah. But they should have some awareness in kind of the signs and symptoms. And so I know a lot of that is happening in different states. But, um, you know, you wouldn't go see your therapist to deliver your baby, Right? Exactly. That's not the that's not the right doctor for yeah, you. So that totally makes sense. And I think just looking into uh, like what your insurance provides. I know when I first saw a therapist, I just assumed, oh, it's going to cost me a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into what my insurance provided as far as mental health, I had this really low copay that was I can go as many times as I want. There's no end to it. And I was so surprised. I was like, wow, I can do this yeah. and I can afford this. And sometimes you don't even know. You don't even go as far as looking into it. You just right. assume like, uh, that's expensive or there's a stigma around it or whatever holds you back from taking those steps. Yeah. What was your stigma around therapy? I me asking you questions on, on your own podcast. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's reverse this. I had a huge stigma around therapy because my parents uh, took me to several therapists as a child and as a teenager mm. I had some different issues back then and I thought it meant I was crazy mm. so I just wasn't open to it at all mm. and when I finally got to a place where I was like okay I need some help I and I reached out and I and I talked to somebody about it my therapist described it as like okay a you're not crazy and b I just want you to see this as like going out to lunch with a friend and having a conversation with someone who is going to be completely non-judgmental. Yeah. And they're not going to tire of you talking about your problems. Right. You're not going to annoy this person. And that's what it's become. I can just go there and purge all of my garbage that's yeah. going on in life. And it's amazing what it has done for me. It's been so empowering 
I'm not crazy. Right. It's just that we all go through different things in our life that we have to work through. Yeah. And we all sort of have these fallacies in our thinking, too, that are leaving us stuck and feeling overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. feeling terrible about ourselves. And a little shift in perspective can really can really help that. Yep. Yeah. So get help. Open that mouth. Talk to somebody about it. Even if it's another woman in the bathroom. (laughs) Right. Don't be afraid to do that because. Carly will meet you in the bathroom. I'll meet you in the bathroom. And we'll talk about about it. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's important um, one more time to reiterate that in being a mom, it is going to ebb and flow. Like you're going to have times when it's going really well and you're in your jive and you're like, okay, I can do this mom thing. And I love my kids. And there are going to be other times throughout the course of motherhood. Um, whether it's a newborn or you've got a teenager or somewhere in the middle where you're just like, ah, I don't have all the answers and and I am super anxious or they we've got these problems and and I don't know how to navigate it, but it's okay if yeah. we come together as women and we talk about it and we don't find shame in getting help, you know, we just become more empowered women yeah which is awesome absolutely let's talk about some of the myths of motherhood because there's a lot of them out there it's supposed to look a certain way yeah and I think this played into a lot of how I was feeling as a first-time mom and experiencing a postpartum mood disorder not to say that uh, just changing your thinking on this can prevent you from suffering because we do know that there's a lot of hormonal and like biological pieces to Mm -hmm. postpartum mood disorders that you can't control sure like some people are just more predisposed to being anxious like I'm one of those people and I don't think there's anything I can do about it and then I have to deal with it and we know our progesterone levels after birth drop off rapidly and that's what causes is low desire and um, that's what causes the depression uh, in some women and some women's brains are just more susceptible to that drop yeah right? it's just scientific and yeah yeah exactly so you can't always control those things but what you can control is some of your thinking around some of these myths and that can help at least reduce some of the suffering so some of these myths I think are like uh, one of the big ones for me was like women should always enjoy being a mom mm-hmm. like I thought women I just thought if you became a mom, you loved it and it was your calling and it was your purpose in life. And it was, and if it wasn't something's wrong with you, it's like you weren't a woman or something. Like, you know, what's so funny to me about kids. I still feel this way and I still have a lot of guilt over it. When my children are gone, I miss them terribly. And then they get home and I swear they're home for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, you're driving me insane. Right, right. (laughs) I love you, but you're driving me crazy. I know. And you just don't know that all of that is normal to feel, right? And Mm -hmm. I feel that same way. I feel like sometimes when I'm at work, I just have this amazing life experience. And then I get home and I'm just like, here's the crying and the whining. and, And I'm in charge again. And I have to make all these decisions and like... Yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I always not, say like, okay, now I'm going to my real job Yeah, when I go home. <laughs> yeah, Because exactly. that's how it feels. And it's not always fun. It is not always fun. It's not always fun and that's okay. And a lot of the times, and I still do this and I'm trying to work on it, but a lot of times I just tell myself like, I'm not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. I'm not cut out for being a mom. And that's not true. And it's not true because I have two kids and I'm doing a fantastic job, frankly. Like and you are. And I guarantee you, through your children's eyes, 
like you're the best. Oh, hands down. I'm they their think, world. They love me. Exactly. They don't see your flaws. <laughs> no, you're just mom. Not and at all. I mean, I can look back now as an adult, no offense to my mother, and I can be like, well, eh, my mom had some flaws. Right. But at the time growing up, she was my idol in life. I wanted to be exactly like her. Yeah. I thought she was amazing. And yeah. so uh, almost every little child thinks that way about their mom. Right. I like to think of this social media meme too that I see often um, that is basically like, you know, when you're cradling your child and they're looking up at you and you know, when you take a selfie and it's like your camera is on selfie mode and you see like your double chin and you see yourself mm-hmm. from the, the low angle up. Right. <laughs> and it's like your kid sees you from this angle every day and still loves you. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Like, you're like, yeah, this is a terrible angle. I got like eight chins right now and they still love you. They're they not judgmental at they all. They don't care what you look like. They, they don't do care not. if you feed them mac and cheese for dinner for the mm-hmm third night in a row nope. they don't care if you I mean they might care sometimes if you forget their school projects or whatever but they forgive you yeah and such a beautiful thing yeah it's really cool so just remember they see you at your worst angle <laughs> and they still love you they still love you um so yeah some of these other myths like I think we touched on this a little bit what we see on social media is real right we we scroll social media and we have these thoughts about what all these other people in our lives are experiencing mm-hmm. and, and the way they view motherhood and they must love motherhood and they're so in love with their kids and I'm over here hating it and I feel terrible. And really that is your perception of what is happening on social media. Mm-hmm. So you see a picture, you have a thought about that picture and then you start to feel a certain way. So kind of dissecting that process a little bit and yeah. identifying those thoughts and it's it can really be helpful. an ongoing battle. Yeah. I have to catch myself with those thoughts all oh, the time. Still. Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of scrolling when, and I often think everyone else is, for example, creating content and I'm not. Everyone else is growing their Instagram following and everyone else's podcast is taking off and mine is not. Everyone else is at Alt Summit and yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting I here will my think bed. like... <laughs> Nothing happened in my day today that was even remotely Instagram worthy. Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And I look like garbage. So there's no way I would take a selfie right now because it would be frightening. And that leaves you feeling terribly. It does. When in reality, that's not true either, right? Like even your most mundane moments are social media worthy if you create a post around them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's important to you and that's fine. Yeah, and still people post Sunday best on Instagram and, and Facebook. That's what we do. That's what as human beings we put our best foot forward that's in our nature we're just going to do that that's not going to change what's going to change is what you think about all those posts you can control that a lot of times tv and movies portray motherhood in a certain way we've Mm -hmm. all kind of uh, gleaned these unconscious expectations about what it will look like to be mothers when we get there so if you can think for example of like the johnson and johnson commercials where you're just like lovingly bathing your um baby in the bathtub and they're smiling and they're cooing at you and yeah that happens from time to time but you know what else happens my kids scream like a drowned rat the first time i oh, gave him a bath my children hated <laughs> that yeah. time it was like let's do this as quickly as we possibly can because you have to get clean so right? you don't have like milk crusties everywhere right and, and you, then we'll move on from yeah, this <laughs> and my kid peed in the bathroom it was like a fountain i, mm-hmm. I bathed him in the kitchen sink so it was like all over the counter and it's just like like that is not what they're showing in the movies. That is not what they're showing on TV. We don't see it. No, we don't see it at all. So you have to remember that you're not seeing the real picture. Like that's a big piece of it. Um, another myth that I think is out there is that there's one right way to parent 
And yeah. I, I still struggle with this at times because in my mind, like, for example, I had a perception about breastfeeding and that that was the right way to feed my child. I remember my mom telling me she firmly believed that was the only right. way to feed your child. Right. And I had major issues with breastfeeding my son. It was really, really painful. Yeah. I went to several lactation consultants, um, couldn't get answers. And I went through insane amounts of pain because I was like, this is what I'm doing. I've right. committed like, this is what I'm doing. My mom told me this is the way to do it. So I'm going to be the perfect mother and yeah. do it. And bottom line, as long as your child gets fed, whether it's through a bottle right. or you breastfeed, it's a-okay. And and I logically knew that, Carly, but I don't think I believed that in my heart because when it came to, like, I would never tell another mother that it was not okay to feed her child formula. But when mm -hmm. it came to my but own for child, you. Yes, yes, I would look at that formula akin to poison, mm -hmm. right? And every time I gave my child a bottle of formula, I was failing as a mother. I was willfully oh, I hear choosing you. what wasn't best for them because <laughs> I couldn't get it together enough to go through the energy and work of breastfeeding my child. And that is just so far from the truth and such a fallacy that keeps us stuck as moms because like you said, feeding our child is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. How they get that food should not be, uh, should not matter. Yeah. Right. And I'm ashamed to admit, but when I was a new mom and, it, and this had been like put in my head that breastfeeding was the only way I judged other moms. Right. That were feeding their kids formula. Like, yeah. I was super judgmental about it. And now I'm like, how dare you? Like, who cares? I know. It's and, so silly. And you know what's really shifted my perspective is this time around with my child who's three months old. He burns through breast milk so quickly because breast milk digests faster than mm -hmm. formula that he was eating every two to two and a half hours. And I just was exhausted trying to keep up with his feeding schedule. That formula at night before he went to bed helped him sleep longer throughout the night in those early months. Mm -hmm. And so formula for me became wonderful because it gave me a few more hours of sleep because he didn't burn through it as quickly. And so shifting my perspective, like basically my circumstances forcing me to shift mm -hmm. my perspective. Totally really, opened your mind. Yeah, totally opened my mind. And now I'm just like, yeah, I'll supplement. Yeah, I'll do both. Like who cares? Yeah. And so that is a big relief. Now I know women have deeply held beliefs about breastfeeding and doctors will tell you what's the right way. And the World Health Organization will tell you what's the right way. And it's not to say like no one's disputing that breast milk does have uh, antibodies in it. That formula does it. You can't recreate that. But it's okay. It's okay. Your child is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And if it helps you mentally, like you said, if you're getting more sleep at night yeah. and the baby's getting more sleep at night or whatever your circumstances are, yeah. I think having that mental health piece because you're getting more sleep yeah. tops is, everything. It's huge. Yeah. And it is not selfish to put yourself before your child's needs. Sometimes it's almost unselfish right sometimes it is self-preservation to do that mm -hmm. and we kind of have this notion too as modern day moms uh, like motherhood is all self-sacrificing right I think that's another myth is like uh, motherhood just means at all costs I sacrifice for my child and that's not to say we don't sacrifice for our children many times but not in all cases and not in all circumstances mm -hmm. and you have to learn balance because I very much had that mentality early on and Quite honestly, it caused me 
to snap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my son, Boston, who's 12 now, when he was diagnosed on the autism spectrum when he was two, I was like, okay, we have this problem and I'm going to do everything they tell me to do. I'm going to do it exactly right. And if he needs 40 hours of floor time therapy a week, we are going to do that. And I lost myself. I lost my relationship with my husband became very distant because Mm -hmm. my sole focus was doing this motherhood thing right. Right. I said that very thing. It was a mistake. I mean, I'm glad that I did it to a certain extent, but not at the expense of losing myself and losing some key relationships in my life. Yeah. I said that very thing to my husband the other day. I almost apologized to him. I said, in my effort to be a good mom, I've become a very bad wife. It can happen. It can happen without you even realizing right? it's happening. You're just trying to take care of the kids. Like you can't even like my husband will come home from work and I can't even have a conversation with him without being interrupted by a kid. And mm-hmm. I I would always stop and turn to the kid and address her needs. Right. Because she like you that, come you're just like attuned to do that as a mom. Right. But meanwhile, my husband was sort of viewing that as like, you don't even pay attention to me. Like, you don't even care about me. And like, he wasn't like being needy and like asking for more of me. Right. But nobody needs some of you. Yeah. I was giving so much to my child. I couldn't even finish a conversation with my husband because I was just turning to my child's needs. Mm -hmm. So I think balance is it's something that I try to live by all the time because if I get out of whack and I put too much attention towards one thing or another, everything starts falling apart. Yeah. And it can happen with anything, not just motherhood. If you're too focused on working out, it can be detrimental. If you're too focused on work, it can be detrimental, Mm -hmm. right? Even though those things by and large could be good, the overuse of them can be detrimental, right? Yep. Okay. I'm going to, um, Let's see. We were talking about these myths. Um, The other one I was thinking of is that, um, oh, mom guilt comes with the job. Like you're supposed to feel guilty? Like, yeah, you just, everyone has mom guilt. And Mm -hmm. I I do think all of us have mom guilt, but I don't think we should. I don't think we should either. Because guilt is just, I learned this from a life coach that I now follow, Jodi Moore. Guilt is just information. Guilt is too beliefs that are butting up against each other that are that may be equally important right so if I feel guilty about leaving my child to go to work I can stop and say okay I value my work which is a good thing and I value time with my child that's also a good thing the only thing what's happening right now is those two beliefs are butting up against each other Mm -hmm. so I can either change one of those beliefs and be like, okay, you know what? No, I really want to stay with my child. I'm going to stay home. Or I can say, I love my child and I'm going to go to work because I love that too. Thank you, brain, for signaling me that I have these two lovely beliefs Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to carry on with what I'm doing. Or no, I want to make a change because I don't like the way I'm feeling. Well, you have to think like... If you do make a change, is it because I don't like the way I'm feeling or is it because of some outside pressure that says, sure, I shouldn't be working? Right. Exactly. Or I, you know, and whose voice is that in your head telling you you shouldn't be working? Where is that thought coming from? And is it true? But we all sort of feel that way. Right. And so you can kind of apply that little strategy, if you will, to any of the mom guilt you're feeling. Yeah. And where hopefully... is this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. Who's putting this pressure on me yeah and is it just some fallacy I have in my thinking is it just some belief that I gain from somewhere because everyone tells you what motherhood is supposed to look like and you make meaning out of that and messages from that and it's not even necessarily true right we all get to create our own realities it's beautiful 
Um, okay, I think we talked about this a little bit, but the final one I'll just leave you with is that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Not at all. Like right? it's, it honestly can be, I think, one of the most empowering things. You know, when we come together and we start talking and, and you realize like, oh, I'm not alone in this or there's something I can do to better my situation, that's when the wheels start turning and you find yourself in a better place. You can help other people get to a better place and it all becomes this this beautiful progressive thing. Yeah, and I know this this saying is so cliche, but like you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like you Absolutely have to, true. for the old cliche, like put on your own oxygen mask before you help other people. Like we know this logically, but then to practice it in our own lives, I think is really challenging. Um, but if... Like I have a perception about asking for help in that I don't want to inconvenience other people. And that's a lot of the time why I don't ask for help, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't want, like, I know how busy people are. I don't want someone else to have to like add me to their list of things to serve in the day, yeah. right? Or it can be like a pride thing. I know like I often don't ask for help because it's like, I want to show the world, like, I can do this. I can do this all by myself. Right. And who are you showing that to? Right. right. Like, who, who needs to who know is, that? Nobody. <laughs> like, nobody. Has anyone ever said to you in your life, like, hey, I see how much you're, like, doing this all on your own, right? They, like, they don't. They don't even recognize it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's silly. We all just kind of have these thoughts that we turn into, like, facts, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're not necessarily true. So um, if you can kind of identify what those uh, perceptions of asking for help as weakness are, then you can kind of get some leverage over them, I think. So you've got um, social media. You've got a show that you do. Yeah. Plug your stuff. Girl. Oh, okay. So I host a show called The Mom Show. And Perfect. Yeah, we literally talk about mom life all day, every day. So okay. I'm constantly thinking about these topics and, and how we can kind of normalize them a little bit more. Um, so yeah, if you search for the mom show, you should find it at Lindsay on air on Instagram and, um, at the mom show on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. So you're based out of Salt Lake city, but can people reach the mom show? Is there an app or is there any way to reach it if they're not in Salt Lake city? Yes. So uh, the show also airs on a radio station in Salt Lake city. So if you download their app, it's the KSL news radio app. Mm -hmm. um, then the podcast lives there as well. But wherever you podcast, you just search for The Mom Show. And you can and get you it on iTunes, it. anywhere. Yes, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you podcast. Awesome. Lindsay, you're the best and you're a great mom. Oh, and I love you. Ditto, Carly. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.